no time off at all, Griffin. How about that? Uh, what? What We're are back. we doing back here? We're doing uh, we're doing a special episode of Are Your Parents Proud of You, Griffin? Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought it was all a terrible dream, but it's real. You, uh. you, you work like once a day, so you're fine. Oh, well, who's, who's, what, what's happening? What's this special episode? I'm throwing shade at you, but hello, everyone. We missed you. I'm Matthew Schufreiter. That's my sleeping giant, Griffin McCorgle. Say hi, Griffin. Uh, Hi. And we, we, we had a, this was the rule for this guest, uh, Michael Brown. The rule was whenever we got him, we were going to release it immediately. Yeah. So Michael Brown is one of the busiest humans i've ever met yes he's a very busy man uh he does i mean well why don't you just run down the rap sheet matt because he's done a lot good lord griffin um well he not only is he a professor at columbia college chicago which is how we both met well that's how i met him he griffin you met him because he directed you in a show with connor brown right that is not correct wait what <laughs> that wait, is wait, wait. that was stephanie shaw <laughs> but she told me that you her and michael co-directed the, sh- the show that i don't know what she's talking about that is false okay well i i had i had a class i had an acting class with michael brown my senior year but he never directed me in a show no that what the hell connor <laughs> Did Connor anyway. tell you that? If Connor told you that, she is straight up lying. Or she's thinking of a different show. I don't know. Anyway, Michael Brown is an actor. He's a director. Most specifically, though, he is a physical and devised theater performer. He has a special focus on that, and his continued exploration of the collaborative creations of new work has led him to dual and complementary research concentrations on both process and form. We talk about growing up in Texas, his mom, his first show involving a milkman, and his role in politics, strangely enough. I know, can you, it's a weird combination, but that's Michael Brown. These weird things somehow go together. I didn't even know he was from Texas. Neither did I, but now we know. Yeah, well, we'll just have to listen to more about it in our conversation with Michael Brown. And uh, yes, and I must say, we recorded this episode on Friday afternoon. And the reason why I bring that up, because he specifically mentions uh, a theater show going on during our interview outside, and he's, he couldn't stop talking about it. He was very excited. Uh, so just be aware about that. But uh, either way, finally, after, what, a year of trying to get him on? Uh, yeah, he- we've been, I, I mean, I think it took six months just for him to respond to your email, because he's... He's, he's so busy, but he he's meant- so busy. He's so busy. We don't yeah, blame it, him. It, it wasn't like he, can't, he doesn't want to do it. He's just. No, we are very, him. we are very happy to have him on now. Yes. And uh, we hope you all enjoy it. Probably. A, it's a great conversation. Here is my conversation with the one, the only Michael Brown. Michael Brown, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for doing this. It is um, absolutely my pleasure. Uh, yeah, I must say, you were the one professor that I think the, you were the first professor, actually, to probably scare the crap out of me about my, my future. You know the story. I don't think you even know the story. No. No, we're start, I'm starting off on the right foot, I must say. <laughs> so you were my uh, acting three teacher, character and ensemble. Mm-hmm. And you and every professor sends the syllabus out a couple of weeks before we actually meet in person. And but you wrote all in, in all caps and underline this class is very hard. If you don't think you can do it, by all means, drop out now. And I'm like, oh, what am I getting myself into? Uh, so I know my question is, um, what's the goal with the professor? Is it to scare them or is that just great motivation? <laughs> I think. Um, it's, it's, it's a really good question, actually. And I had forgotten that I put that in that syllabus. <laughs> Teaching that class again this fall. I need to, right, yeah, yeah I, that, that probably needs to stay in there. Look, I, th- I think, honestly, um, uh, it's both, but it's not that, it's not fear for the sake of fear, right? Um, what we do is, is incredibly difficult. It requires, as you know, 
um, uh, an, an, an extreme level of, of, of fortitude and, and commitment and um, self-motivation, right? If you, if you want to go into any kind of gig economy, you got to have a level of just, um, uh, self-discipline isn't even the right word for it. That's part of it, right? But it's, it's, it's just this level of, of, of commitment and tenacity. Um, and, uh, and so I, I think the, you know, part of the motivation for that was, was to just sort of put the question in front of students at that level, right? That's sort of a mid-level acting. You've done your basic work. You, you've, you, you've, maybe you've been in a show. Maybe you've, you know, you've certainly had a couple classes um, in acting technique. You've, you've, uh, you've begun to see some of your strengths and, 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 uh, and hopefully some of your weaknesses. And I think, you know, there, there, there's a moment where it's, it's, there are many moments in a career where it's really helpful just to stand back and go, who am I? What am I doing? Right? What is this? What 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 is this really about for me? And I think even the best people, whatever that means in any career, need to do that at certain moments, right? So I think that's one of the things that we do as as teachers, as guides, as 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 facilitators uh, in a young career is 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 we give opportunities to sort of. Um, question, self-examine, right? And then, uh, and to know that, um, that that is part of, you know, what's expected in a process, in a, in a, in a, in a class. Um, it, yeah, I'm going to teach you technique. Yeah, I'm going to teach you skills. And, and, and hopefully we're going to discover some new ones together. But also we're going to be asking the question about you. Who are you as an artist, right? Who are you as a performer? Who are you as a theater maker? What, what motivates you? What, what, um, what excites you? Um, what other ways might you even find for that to um, to manifest itself? So, but and then you out you talk about this. What is what does it mean to be an artist? And now here we are into this pandemic life. Hmm. You know, have you been questioning yourself about what it means to be an artist, especially right now, or have those students you've been having been even exploring that question? Yeah. I have to imagine it's difficult right now. I think it's harder for a young artist right now than maybe it is for someone um, uh, who's a little uh, a little older, um, a little more experienced. I, I, I think it's easier with the, how do I put this? I think the lived experience of seeing times when things are difficult and seeing that that changes and living through those cycles enough gives me a different kind of perspective on this. So my questions are more about how, how do I keep my, my practice alive? How do I, you know, what kinds of things can I do right now? Is this just a dormant moment as an artist or are there ways that I can engage my creativity and even planning for things that, you know, when I know things will get better. I think if you're, uh, and I know this, I know this from talking to people, if you're coming out of school right now, God, this must be just a terrifying moment, right? To, to, to imagine coming into, especially into the theater industry or any live performance um, industry. Uh, and the, 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 the sense of um, uh, anxiety of, of, of the, just the unknown. Yeah, um, when are theaters gonna open again? How are they gonna open again? What kind of, I mean, you know, we're all asking this, what kind of funding is even gonna be available, right? So yeah, theaters reopen. Are we all doing, you know, essentially poor theater for the next five years while everything gets back on its feet. So I think, um, you know, there's a lot of questions uh, like that, that I think um, I'm very, very sympathetic to, um, to our, our, the undergrads and, and the grads who are, who are coming out into this, this world um, where everything is, is so constricted and where they maybe just don't have at the moment. And I hope this doesn't sound too, um, you know, too, condescending or, or old manny, but just the lived experience of, yeah, things will, things will get better. They will. It's yeah. inevitable. Yeah. We're going to find solutions. We're going to find ways to deal with this. We already are. I'm looking at my window right now and I'm, I'm watching them set up in the, you, you remember the park next to the theater building. Right. They're setting up for a show down there. Um, and it's windy and it's 50 degrees and it's, um, uh, it's gotta be a bit miserable to be out there, but they're teching right now. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I, I just mentioned that because I think, I think that's another side of this is that, um, uh, we're all sort of in this 
wonderful place of, well, how else? How else can we do it? Yeah, they get a little platform out there with a sofa on top of it. They've, they've got two, two, three light trees. They're using the lights in the park as part of their design. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a fantastic just sort of adaptation, right? And if, 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 if there's a sort of a central thing that I think every young artist in training should learn, it's exactly that. How do I adapt? How do I adapt to the limitations that are put in front of me? Yeah. Um, and I think we're always learning that, right? We're always getting better at that. But um, I find that part of it really exciting because they're out there and they're cold and it's windy and it's Chicago and um, it's April in Chicago and they're doing a show outside. So how great is that? Right. <laughs> and doesn't it feel great? Like I've been, I've been talking to a bunch of our actors and I think we've become better artists and better uh, actors right now because we have had to be so creative in this last year. Like, you know, I was listening to an interview with someone with a theater company, Theater in the Dark, which they do shows in the dark, but now they have to have their actors in their houses lights turned off and they're doing a, like a version of like Moby Dick as an yeah. example which is just incredible and you directed the show last fall that was a mix of live performance zoom call but interactive and so I'm like yeah at least we know the, the light that the lights aren't dying on theater it's still yeah. working it's just evolving right now yeah yeah just keep in mind well and you know I I got to stretch some muscles there or, or discover some new ones, right? We all did. Um, and uh, uh, that was, we started planning that in the, in the spring because it was the first show of the season this year. And, um, and we were planning it when very few people were doing anything yet, um, you know, uh, in, in terms of uh, live streamed or uh, Zoom or um, uh, there was very little experimentation with that. And of course, we've all come a long way. I mean, the last year, I've seen things that are just just astounding, right? If, yeah. if, if I were to do that again, even now, six months later, I'd do it, I'd do it very differently. So um, I think there's, and again, it points to that, that sort of process of adaptation that we're all going through, right? Whether we want to or not. And, and again, that's sort of what life does to us. It's constantly giving us um, limitations, challenges, constraints, and and uh, and I think part of part of our work as as artists is you know saying okay, damn it, that's not what I wanted, <laughs> but how do I still get to the place I wanted to get even <laughs> accepting those those constraints? So, right, that's that's awesome. And you know, theater has been through it all anyway. So like a pandemic is just yeah, come on. Theater's like all right, pandemic. I I need to go for a little hibernation right now or something. You know. Right. Right. Uh, so I, I'm just or, or go outside. <laughs> yeah, go, let's, go outside, let's, damn it! Why, why, why not? Let's go back to the roaming street street bands of crazy actors. There you go. <laughs> what are you talking about? We're still they're still home to a bunch of crazy actors. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. I'm, I'm now yeah. want to take it back to young Michael. You know, where did you grow up, and what were you like as a child? Um. <laughs> uh, so I grew up in Texas. Um, and I, I maybe the uh, well, I'll say the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is that I spent a lot of time out in the hallway in my Catholic school um, because I had a lot of trouble um, uh, shutting up and being still. So I think I was probably born for this this career um, as an actor and theater maker and and, uh, and teacher. Um, uh, I I had a lot of energy. Um, it didn't have a lot of focus. Um, I had to, had to find the thing that, um, allowed me to focus, which turned out to be theater. Um, I stumbled on that accidentally. Um, my mother was convinced I was going to be a lawyer. So when I was in the eighth grade, she made me take a class, um, called public speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, she was convinced that would prepare me for my future career as a lawyer. Turned out we did a play at the end of the semester in that class, um, and boom, there it was. I fell in love. It was, you know, one of those sort of thunderstruck moments. Um, I had wound up with the lead in the play and said, "Ah, this is this is what I this is what I want to do. This is where my joy is. This is where my um, and uh, and you know, it's it's I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I, I have I had that experience. I know a lot of people, you know." don't or um, have it and, and, uh, and, and don't return to it. I happen to find um, 
something that I really loved and something that that spoke to me and that reached me where I was and that allowed me to um, to find things in myself that I might not have found in another in another career. Do you remember that play? I remember it. It was the genie in the milk bottle. Oh, classic. <laughs> it may be. Yeah. I've never seen it since. <laughs> it, may, it may well be. I, I'm not sure I could tell you the whole story. Okay. Um, but it did involve a genie and a, and a giant. Um, uh, one of those old time uh, sort of metal milk yeah, and they all, all gotten yeah. the guy. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. And this genie, for some reason, lived in one of those milk cans and came out and granted all of my teenage wishes. There you go. So, I mean, you can't go wrong starting no, there, right? Oh, family fun for all. <laughs> Did your uh, parents come see the show? No. Yes. No. Yes. My my, my yeah my my mother did yeah. yeah. What did she think of it? And you would too. I I you know um. <laughs> she was terrified really yeah yeah I, I i have to say i think i think she saw that um well i mean i think she what she was terrified of and i think it's what probably every good parent is terrified of when their child falls in love with an art form is yeah, that oh no my son can't because i i came home saying i'm going to grow up and be an actor I'm, I'm this is what i'm going to do yeah um and so uh i think uh I think she watched it with a, a, a mix of um, pleasure and terror. It was a funny show, um, but I, I, I don't think she, she I don't think she enjoyed the, the, the path she had inadvertently set me on. <laughs> I mean, my parents were like, when they saw me in high school do shows, they were like, okay, well, this will be a passing phase. He'll get through it. Mm -hmm. And then like, he'll graduate and then he'll yeah. go, to, go to some school and then study like engineering or something. And I said, yeah. no, I want to do uh, radio. Oh, well, that's a choice. Okay. Do, you, do people on radio make money? Uh, maybe they got on radio first. Well, how are you going to get on radio? That's a great question. That's what college is for. And, yeah. and then yeah. when the theater, I'm like, I want to be an actor. Oh, that's even worse, man. How are you going to make money yeah. more? <laughs> so they're still terrified to me of the stand. Like, of yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the favorite is, you know, well, what's your fallback, right? Yeah. What's your fallback? Well, my fallback is passion. And, 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 Passion and a and a skill set. Uh, I think that's all you need. <laughs> and then again, what I what I was talking about earlier, right? That 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 um, that sort of um, bloody mindedness um, uh, and um, determination. And whether I th I th I think um, and I hope I'll be this way as a dad. I have a ten year old, and who knows what he's going to fall in love with? Uh, but it's right around the corner. Whatever it is. Um, and I hope that my response to whatever that is will be, um, whatever my mix of fear is, will be um, to encourage the passion because I believe that the passion leads to the unfolding of the self and the possibilities in the self that then give rise to whatever that career, career, whatever that means, right? We all, we all have, you know, what's the average now? Six or seven careers, they say. That you'll have over the course of your life, right? Um, so uh, I, th I think it's you know it's a it's 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 more the mindset that's important. But anyway, now we get philosophical about parenting. Yeah, I was I was actually my next question was about I was going to say this is about to sound very uh, philosophical, but you know you've been talking about anger and passion and fear. You know, as a dad now, you know, what, do you see yourself and your mom sometimes, and you see your kid and like, well. I have a lot of fear of what he's going to do, but like, damn it, he's passionate about it. Go for it. So, so we're in the kitchen yesterday and I can't even remember what I said, but I was just trying to keep things light. And my wife said, why is it that at a certain age, um, all dads start telling dad jokes? I, said, I don't know. I'm just trying to keep, keep things light. I think, I think if anything, I hear, um i'm sure all parents do yeah you hear your 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 parent coming out in you yeah you hear the things they used to say and then, oh i read all the books and i wasn't going to be like them and i was going to do it different and i <laughs> i'm a uh, i'm a i'm a different kind of parent uh, and then all of a sudden here you are when the rubber meets the road and you know it's crunch time um but i i you know i do think 
I, I also think we're always in reaction, right? Like we're always, every generation is in reaction to the generation before. And it's true of artists, it's true, right? Um, uh, I, I think it's even true of parenting, right? We're, we're, we're going, oh, okay, that's the way my parents did it and I'm gonna do it different, right? And I'm sure there are exceptions to that, but I think uh, there's this sort of natural human need to, and I'm sure it's evolutionary on some level. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it better than the generation before me. You know what I mean? So, so that's what I'm doing. I'm a better parent. There you go. You're the cool but dad. Mom, dad, if you're listening to this, you were great. <laughs> I tell myself I'm never gonna be like my dad, and then I went home for Easter over the weekend, and uh, I, my siblings were talking about some form of social media, and I, I just started going on this rant of like, what's the purpose? Why can't we have these talks? And, and I, I literally nearly went to bed and was like, what am I doing? as I'm trying to find the newspaper to read for the morning and trying to have my sip of coffee. Because I'm, <laughs> you mean the paper? You mean the actual tactile thing? I like to read the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like it. With my coffee, I, I got a lounge chair in my apartment now just for every Sunday I can sit yeah. and read the paper. Yeah. You were born old, Matthew, I have to say. Well, it was just the suspenders they gave me. Once no. I got the suspenders, <laughs> like it was, it, I was that gone. sealed the deal right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about me. So you went to the University <laughs> of uh, Texas uh, to go to school, and yeah, then you've done your homework. I uh, just a little bit. And so once you went there, did you did you craft develop more, and what did it did it change at all? You think you think I took a circuitous route. Um, so I said I fell in love very early. Um, with with uh, with theater with performance, um, I uh, and I I did um, plays in in high school. Um, I by the time I got to college, um, I think I had been uh, convinced that uh, um, uh, the the theater wasn't actually a worthwhile um, endeavor. So I, I I I took a little side right. I did I studied political philosophy actually. Um, in college, so I got a, I, I I went on an on an acting scholarship. I got that far, and then after a semester, I I became a uh, a philosopher, um, which is as we all know a far more lucrative career than 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 theater. Um, but I am super glad I did that because I learned. Not only did I learn to to think, um, I learned to see things from multiple perspectives. I learned to, um, I learned to, to analyze, to, um, to be sort of dogged in, in pursuit of a, a question, even if not an answer. And I, I think those things are still sort of part of the way that I approach my work, right? I, I, I don't, I tend not to think in terms of straightforward technique or I think you may know this from class. I'm 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 way more interested in the questions than I am um, in uh, a sort of you know um, dogmatic uh, um, system, right? And um, and I think there's something um, about that that sort of gets lost in the in the academic world. I know I'm straying from the question for a moment, but. Um, but I, I, I feel like the, the people that I have most enjoyed working with as artists, and maybe it's just because it's my own biography, um, are the people who have not had just the straight line from, ah, I discovered theater and, you know, when I was 12 and uh, did all the camps and I, and, I, and I went to the performing high school and the college and it's what I've done all of my life. Um, I have wonderful friends who that's exactly their, their story. Um, and I really enjoy the people who have, who bring, you know, sort of wildly different perspectives into the work or have lived a different life. And this is, this is, um, this is their second life or their third life. Um, and I get a chance to teach a lot of those people in the, in the graduate program who are coming back to school because, you know, they, they discovered or rediscovered a love of theater so, um, so anyway, that, 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 that's sort of where I went, that I, I, I got my undergrad in, in, in political philosophy. I actually went, went and was in a PhD program in, in philosophy for a while. Um, and then uh, um, 
auditioned for on a lark auditioned for a production of Hamlet that was being done this was at the University of Wisconsin in Madison um, it was the middle of winter there was nothing else to do and I was tired of reading Nietzsche so I went and auditioned for um for this production of Hamlet and got cast and um uh fell in love with both the 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 theater again and the woman playing Ophelia so there it was it was all done from there there you go. What happened during that time? So you, you went to the te- you went to Texas and then you ended up in Wisconsin. Were you just mm. going from job to job or did you spend the PhD? Yeah, I spent a little time in um, in between um, undergrad and graduate school. I spent a little time working in a, um, a political think tank in, in, in Washington. Um, so I spent a few years there. Um, so I was I was very much immersed in the sort of world of of, of politics and political thought and um, uh, not so much activism per se, but but definitely um, interested in in um, and still am um, in 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 political issues, um, and so that um, again that was you know it was exciting. It's a fascinating world. It's an amazing. Um, uh, uh, I had some amazing experiences. Met some really really um, fascinating, brilliant people, um, and. Uh, and I still think that that, you know, in, in weird ways influences a lot of the way I approach my work. Mm-hmm. And it's that, I think it's the expression of how political, it's like politics is a lot like theater and yet somehow they mix together, it feels like. Yeah, well, it's not, I, I think it's not accidental that they, they're, that, you know, they were born in the same place at the same time. You know, our our sort of ideas of democracy and, and, uh, and, and many of our ideas of, of theater. Um, and I know this is not the this is not a podcast about theater history, but I I I do think there is um there's a way that we converse deeply converse um, uh, collectively through the theater um, that is intertwined with our ability to function as um, collectively as a as a as a democratic group. Yeah, whatever that means. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I kind of, I, I feel like this moment um, is a really interesting moment for us to be exploring that and rediscovering that. Um, and there are some movements in theater that I find really interesting in that regard. Um, things like immersive um, uh, theater, which is, you know, is both uh, forever old um, and also, you know, and, and in some ways quite, quite new um, and I, th- I think there's something about the impulse to uh, shift the relationship between performer and audience member uh, members and audience and between audience members and each other um, in these immersive impulses that um, that I just find really interesting on that level what's happening socially when we're when we're beginning to express, our stories in that way. What's what is that? What is the, what's the sort of origin of that impulse? Yeah, is it is it a there's something deeply, deeply um, uh, democratic with a small d, right? Um, about that 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 impulse to sh- to to uh, to create a space where the audience shares in the creation of the event. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, yeah. Again, I think I think they're they're very closely related, and I and I, I think you know my own sort of interests. Um, ah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's the way I see the world because those are the things I was interested in, or maybe I'm interested in, in those things because in fact, they're, you know, they're, they're deeply connected to each other. It's hard to say. Right. And when you see like what's going on now with social justice and left versus rights, COVID, mm-hmm. when, would you, would you still would have handled political science if you were this age, my in my age, in your early twenties, right now. I mean, I, <clears throat> I have to say, I've gotten more interested, mm-hmm. involved, engaged in the last five years than I was for a while, um, and I think I think that's true of a lot of us, right? Um, and uh, I, uh, so I think I, I think I, if if I were if I were a twenty something year old now yeah definitely definitely this this is a time that um i would i would feel enervated um excited uh uh, engaged um and i hope i hope that's 
most people's response. I, th I think this is, this is, look, we got some things we've got to figure out and, and we have to, the only way to figure them out is to, 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 to argue through them. We've got some very, very different ideas about what, um, how we need to live together, how we should live together. Um, and I don't think we get to the, the other side of this by, by silencing anyone. I think, um, I think we have to have these arguments, right? I think we have to have these, this culture, culture war. Yeah, I, I don't like that term, um, but it is a cultural struggle that we're in. And um, yeah, and we, that, that seems to be necessary. And I guess the hope is that we can express those things in a way that um, even if we don't all, look, we've never agreed, right? There's never mm -hmm. been a moment when we've all said, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We see things exactly the same. In the rear view mirror, it always looks that way. Um, gosh, boy, back then. Back then, we all agreed, but now. You cans back then. And we yeah. Said, oh, see you over for steak dinner? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that people did? I don't know. Huge disagreements about whether we should be in World War II. Huge right. disagreements about whether we should stay in it once we were in, right? right. I mean, really, like, um, you know, strong strong divisions on these things that we look back and say ah we were unified we all we all saw things the same then no no, no. right and then going back to hamlet because we went yeah because why not yeah because we went somewhere uh which was fantastic <laughs> so we went to hamlet and then yeah um that had to, and then that worked out well i assume right um <laughs> well the relationship didn't but i did oh, rediscover right. my love of theater well, okay, so you won something in the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, I don't know. You're never going to do well falling in love with an Ophelia. It's just, you know, just don't. I, I, that's my recommendation. Can you give that? That's a great advice for your kid, for your kid one day. Hey, never fall in love <laughs> yeah, with whoever right. is Ophelia on the show. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. Uh, so what, and so what made you want to do it again? Is it just, oh, I haven't acted in a while. Let's do it. Yeah, I think... Um, I was, I was, what was I, mid twenties. Um, I think I was at a moment where I'd had enough experience of what, uh, what one career could be. I could, I could sort of see it's the pathway um, that, 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 that opened. Um, and, you know, I, I could see it clearly enough that I, I could know where that was, where that was going to go. Um, and I mean, I mean, the, not just the, um, the possibility of, of teaching, which I obviously love, but also the, the possibility of being involved in politics and, 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 uh, and studying philosophy, studying teaching philosophy specifically. Um, and then I got this, you know, sort of reminder of this other part of me that I had, um, you know, that had been dominant for a few years and that I had really, really loved. Um, and uh, and it came at a moment where I, 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 I don't know, I, 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 um, I'm not sure I've ever fully analyzed it, but I, I think I, I probably went through some process of just comparison. Okay, I've got this, I've got this, which one, right? Um, and uh, I, I guess theater one. That's fantastic. And then was it just finishing and then so once you finished grad school was it just mm -hmm. i want to this is my new life now uh you mean the grad school in theater yeah yes um yeah well yes yes it's always that straightforward is it yeah. right yeah no <laughs> <laughs> then, then you get to finish you get to finish and then you get to go through that process over and over and over again as every artist does no matter how uh, secure you may think you are, um, or, uh, uh, how successful. Um, I mean, it's, you know, that, that's, that's the, that's, that's just the process. It's a never ending process. Right. Um, and, and if you are doing it well and you are, you know, managing to get paid for it, um, then, you know, you're, you're faced with the, the, the questions of boredom or, um, God, I'm doing the same work over and over again, or just the sheer realization and this is always so interesting for young actors, artists to, 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 to confront. Um, you do your degree, you're, you're excited, you come out into the world, you start to get some gigs, you, you do a few gigs. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's this moment when you go, oh, oh, 
sometimes this is just a job. Sometimes I'm just doing the work to do the work. Yeah. It's not always a joy ride. And that's a hard moment, right? Because you may be, it doesn't even matter the quality of the show or the, you know, the, the you're doing a, maybe you're on a television series or you're getting a bunch of commercial work or whatever. Um, that, that moment, that sort of, you know, stark moment of, ah, God, I have to do it again today. <laughs> you're hit, you're like touching some bones <laughs> felt in a while, like, oh, I forgot it, did that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then why, how do you get through that? But everybody faces that, right? No matter your career, everybody faces those moments. Yeah. Um, what I think maybe is unique to, again, I go back to, you know, someone who's working in a, in a, in a gig um, uh, kind of uh, world, which I did, you know, for, for, for 20 years before I um, uh, uh, took a full-time position as a, as a teacher. Um, you're, you're, you're not only are you, you rediscovering your passion for it so you can stay engaged and, and rediscover um, how you're, you know, how, how even, or discover anew, um, how you want to, uh, how you want to approach your work. Um, you're also dealing with that constant sense of, well, this job is the last um, because uh, until the next one comes along, it literally is the last, right? Um, and then, you know, you're in those lucky moments where you've got one gig that's, you know, that's following another, um, but then you've got lots of those moments where there's just fallow periods in between, right? And you start to discover what else you can do or what else you want to do, um, or you just get really good at, at drawing unemployment. <laughs> I, I never, I never did that, but I, I, I know that that's, yeah, I'm, they had a lovely term in Britain, I lived in London for for a number of years, as you know, um, and they had a lovely term um, for actors who were out of work. They were resting, yeah. And oh. I always loved that, yeah. What are you doing right now? I'm resting, yeah. And that was just a very polite way of saying I'm out of work. Shut up, yeah. Don't ask. Um, <laughs> and I, I like that a lot. Resting. Um, so uh, so you, you you know you just that that's that's the that's that's the work in many ways, right? Is just staying in in the game in a way that you can at least you know find some level of of creativity and passion and joy and then you'll find those moments where suddenly it just you know it, it reignites and you're in a you're in a project that hits you in just the right place or it's just the right moment or ah you love working with this group of people or it speaks to something you know an issue that you really want to or a theme that you really want to explore who knows um and then boom you're off again right get a couple of years of juice out of that right so yeah. That says a lot to even people who are like maybe graduating college where they just maybe did a bunch of classes. They were, like you said, in a bunch of shows or did this, did that, and there's working out for them. And then they graduated and then reality hits up like, oh God, what do I do? And then a lot of them, most of them don't book anything for a while, or if yeah. they do, it's something very, very low. And then how do you stay engaged until yeah. that next big hit comes, you know, especially for you know, my class, we graduated last spring and right. we're going through, I went, I mean, I was very fortunate enough to do stuff online, but like, this wasn't the work that I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and I think um, I, I'm, I'm hugely sympathetic to that. Like I said, especially at this moment, it is hard anyway. Graduate, you know, we all, we all, cause I, I graduated too, a couple of times. <laughs> um, we all look forward to that. Right. I mean, you, there's this, fantastic sense of you know mix of 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 fear and excitement and that's the next beginning and by the time you get to that you've gotten you've gotten good at being a student right um you've gotten you've figured out that game so there's the anticipation of the next game right how am i going to land the gigs how am i going to and at the same time there's the the anxiety right which every every young artist faces um have i learned enough am i yeah what am what how am i going to how am i going to measure up in the marketplace how am i Right. What kind of work am I going to do, or do I even want to do? Where do I want to live? All of those, you know, the, those amazing questions, um, and and that's a you know, God, that's a rich brew, right? That moment, that semester, I'm I'm living through this. I've got a class that has a lot of seniors in it, um, and I'm so I'm living through this with them right now. Um, it's April, and you know, there's there's six weeks away from from uh, leaving the nest, shall we say? Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, wow, that's, that's such a rich concoction of emotions. And then you add to that, 
like I said, this extreme uncertainty. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't even have an answer for it. Right. Yeah. It's, it is literally one of those things that, um, that the best you can say is it, yes, it will change. It will be different. And yes, we are discovering things, right? There are ways still to stay engaged and hang in, right? <laughs> That's what we're all doing right now. Hang in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of discovering, um, yeah. I, want, I want, you have our, so I think I would call you a devised artist as well, because you've done a lot of devised theater, and, you know, I've had devised artists on the show, and the way we kind of describe it is as experimental theater. Um, so how did, how did you get started in that, and how did that change your love of theater? Did it grow more? Did it change? That's a great question. I'm not sure I can pinpoint a moment maybe i can so <laughs> right after i did the sh the genie in the milk can <laughs> my english teacher who i drove crazy um who could never figure out how to solve the problem of me and this other little cohort of of troublemakers in class um had the genius idea that she would send us off to make um a uh, was a christmas show um, yeah, that was it. She said, yeah, I'm going to get you out of class. What do you want to do? You can't be in class. <laughs> what do you want to do? And so there were five of us. And we said, well, let us go off and make a play. Um, and what we'll do is we'll spend class time uh, whenever, you know, every, every English period, we'll go off and we'll write the play and we'll, we'll, we'll create the play, we'll rehearse it, and then we'll perform it at the, at the end of term or whatever. And she loved that solution. So she got us out of class. She literally created another class for us to go and make this play. Um, and we made a play. Um, uh, uh, and uh, I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was totally an adolescent, you know, it had balloons stuffed in a shirt. I probably shouldn't even t tell all the, you know, stupid things that we did. But I mean, it was, you know, Santa Claus had a secretary who was played by the high school quarterback and, um, or the, uh, whatever, yeah, the, the junior high quarterback. Um, you know, it was just stupid, right? Absolutely. No. But we made it, we made it, right? Um, and, uh, and I think there was something about that I found really exciting. I still remember that experience, right? That that stands out. There's so there's something about that um, that ability to um, uh, how shall I put it? The way that devising engages the entire creative self. Yeah, it's not, it's the the actor very often is, is in the role of, of you know, in, in interpreter, right? Um, and, 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 and in an industrial model of theater making sort of comes late in the process. The thing's been written, it's been, uh, there's been, uh, a director has been engaged, a producer has engaged a director um, who's engaged some de designers and some, a lot of conversations have happened. And by the time the actors come into the process, um, a lot of decisions have already been made which is good in an efficient sense, right? If you want to make a whole season of plays and you need to um, make sure that one moves in after the other and da 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 da, da there's, there's a lot of um, uh, benefits to that. And it can be great fun as an actor, I know this, to work in, in, uh, uh, in, the, in, in, in those, those, um, uh, in those ways. But, but also you always, I always felt like there's, yeah, there's something not quite, like this doesn't fully engage me, yeah. And it's not that I want to always direct. I love directing. I love being in that in that in that role in that in that uh, that that kind of service to a, a creative project. But sometimes I just want to be in the room with a bunch of people throwing around ideas and 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 and, and knocking about possibilities and improvising and oh, we never we never thought of that, right? A leg is a lamp. Fantastic. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Um, and then all of a sudden you you're off in this direction that nobody would have imagined, um, and that and that leads you into this place where um, where something you know exciting happens and. And, and, and the excitement is a collective excitement. I think that's when it's really working. There's a collective excitement, right? It's like everybody in the room, those moments you know, um, in a process where everybody in the room goes, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what we're, that's what we're looking for. We don't know why, but, um, 
and there's just there's just something uh, very exciting about that individually, but also the way that it brings people, the way that people work together in that way. And yeah. I think there, I'm I I love it as as both a way of making work and as a way even of of teaching, right? Because as you know, that that sort of deep collaboration, it it brings. Um, it brings you to a kind of communication with other people that transcends theater making, and that um, and and that as a skill set or as an ability to to be in a room with people like that, um, working toward a shared um, uh, goal, solving a shared set of problems, um, and and identifying where your strengths are within that process of solving those problems. Um, I, I, I just think that's that's um, that's such a valuable way to to. Uh, to teach people skills that, again, that, um, that go way beyond the, just the making of theater. Right, and they're all just discoveries as well. I mean, yeah. not to go back to this ensemble class that you taught, but I can't, those first five weeks where you're making us walk around or run around the room with this European device music in the background, or you're bringing in bamboo sticks <laughs> and you said, all right, put your one index finger on one side and here's someone else and make a scene out of it. I'm like, I don't know what this is or what's the purpose of this. You know, we can't, we had people hanging upside down. We had to grab someone. I think I forgot who it was. We gra literally grabbed someone and put them upside yeah. down just to make an ensemble. I don't know where the story was, but there's probably a story there that you could probably, that I'm sure you could have find, but that was just all new discoveries instead of just rolling on the ground or just meditating like the previous classes, which fine, great, make, make discoveries there. But when, I think device theater is also more physical, more hands-on than your typical kind of theater work, I believe. Uh, yeah. That, when, I don't know what you think. Is that, is that more accurate or is it, or maybe not? Yeah, no, I, th I think, I, I think hands-on is a great way to describe it. Right. But, but, you know, hands, metaphorical hands, right. Right. Um, or, uh, you know, all hands on deck. Um, it, it's, it, it's that everyone in the room when it's working, right? Obviously, it, it it needs care and it needs the right kind of facilitation and 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 you know a group that's 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 on board for the for the journey. But when it's working, it's it's as if leadership is is a is a thing we're all sharing, um, uh, and and that makes it a fluid thing, right? And here we go back to this this whole conversation about democracy. Um, it, it, leadership is is a is a is a fluid quality, and if we're if we're listening in the right way, it it never resides in just one person, and that includes in the classroom. So, you know, how do you create in a in a classroom or in a in a rehearsal situation, a creative situation, um, uh, a sort of ethos where someone has an idea or someone has an inspiration or someone just has the energy today. Yeah? And we can all follow that. We can all trust that. We can all um, engage in that. And it's not that we say, ah, Matthew, today you're the leader. Yeah. It's that we're operating in a way we, where we don't need to say that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to sit down and have an election about who's leading the rehearsal today. Um, now, I, I do think that, you know, that that's, um, there's an element of that, even as I say it, that I realize is super idealistic. Um, and, and, and probably even impossible in a sustained way, but also is, you know, aspirational, right? It's, there's, 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 um, and it, 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 it comes back to this, this, um, this question. And, and I, I do think this is, this is partly an answer to your, your original question about my interest in devising. It's, there's something about not just the things that come out of it, but the experience of doing, the process of doing. I've seen terrible devised work, right? Okay, I'll be honest. I've been part of terrible devised work. So it's not that the process necessarily leads you to some you know, superior um, outcome. It's that something about process, something about the way of going about it, to me is itself worthy of um, the, the journey, yeah. probably the best way to put it. Yeah, that's fantastic. 
Well, I'm, you're part of the journey. I'm curious is now you're a teacher. Um, how did you, first of all, start teaching and how did you get this job as a Columbia professor? Yeah. Luck. Um, so this is the one thing we haven't talked about yet, right? But you have to. <laughs> right. Um, I, was, I, was, I was lucky to meet a teacher um, who I still have a very close relationship with. Um, this was after I'd done my, my, my MFA in acting. Uh, I did a workshop with someone um, who uh, came to be uh, a real mentor for me um, and who I, I actually traveled to London to, to study with because um, I, I did a two-week workshop with him and realized this was someone I, I had a lot to learn from, um, both as an artist and as a teacher. Um, and, uh, and so I followed followed him to London, did, did, did a year of training with him. Um, in the course of that year, he asked me to come and teach at his, his school in London. Um, and uh, after much persuasion from my wife, I agreed that we would do that. We were at a moment in our lives where we could do that. No children, no, no, no mortgage. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, and so we went off to London for two years, stayed for 10. Um, and uh, and I started uh, doing these these workshops as I was, I was as I was teaching at that school. I started doing some workshops in different places and got got a call from um, John Green here at Columbia um, to come and do a workshop uh, at the school here. This was in 2010. Um, came and did a week long workshop um, with faculty and students. Had a great time doing that. Um, and uh, in the course of the week, we just sort of struck up a conversation. Wouldn't it be interesting to have a, a devised physical theater program here at Columbia? Yeah, that'd be interesting. Oh, good luck with that. Off I went back to London. And then all of a sudden, here I was, four years later, we're still having this conversation. We've developed a program and um, they've asked me to come and run it. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it, it is, um, I, I would not have said at any point in any of of, of the, the story that I just told you that this is where this is going, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, that meeting with that, that teacher um, uh, who's named Thomas Pratke and that now has a school in Berlin. Um, that happened in 2000. Um, there was 2005. It was, by the time I was teaching at his school, it was 2015 by the time I was coming to Columbia, right? I mean, this is, this is that, that whole unfolding thing was, there's a lot that, you know, a lot else happening. So it's um, the condensed story sounds like, oh, well just, you know, one thing led to another. And then you put it on a timeline and you go, oh, well, that's 15 years mm -hmm. between that and that, but they're connected. And that's, that's the thing. And that's the thing about a career as, a, as an artist. Um, you don't know, right? You don't know where one thing leads to another. You don't know this meeting that I have today, or I do this project with you um, uh, that's, that's, that's uh, a weekend or three weeks, or maybe it's six months. And, um, and 10 years later, that has led me to this, right? And that, you know, we can say on a, on a simple level, that's, well, that's why you always try to be nice to people. That's why you always try to be a good person to work with, right? And those things are true, but, um, but, I think what's more important to realize in that is that um, again, it's about it's about the patience and the longevity and the and the determination. Yeah, right. um, yeah, and the, the determination doesn't mean you get your way just because you hit your head against the wall hard enough. It means right. you're 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 patient when you need to be. You're you're listening. You're yeah. Anyway. I'm, Sounding like the, uh, <laughs> the, the I like the, the answer. The, the old man acting philosophy yeah. now. Yeah, I, I was I was about to comment like, yeah, the old man professor. But I think of you as like you think younger, and that's nothing against mm. the professors at Columbia who you know some of them have been there a long a long time and are wonderful and great. But like you, I, the, the, my difference between you and some of them is you just think younger. And there's this young energy to you that I feel like a lot of the students can connect to. Mm -hmm. And I say that even though I'm not even trying to say that when you're here, I tell people that like, I just think you think younger than us. Is that, was that your attentions all along? I don't think so. I, I um, uh, 
thank you for that. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I may just have an immature brain. I don't yeah. know. Um, <laughs> entirely possible. <laughs> I think I'm, I, I, I'm also, I, 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 I retain my addiction to novelty. That's, mm. that's, that's, I think, uh, uh, a quality we probably should all nurture as artists. Um, but we do have anyway, right? Uh, I, that was said to me early in my career. Well, you know what? We're theater people. We're addicted to novelty. And that's a double-edged sword, right? Um, because, you know, there are things. There are tried and true ways, right? There are things that we should all know, right? There are processes and methods. And um, mm -hmm. So what I said at the beginning where, you know, ah, I try to teach with, without a method, without a system. Well, yeah, okay. But if I'm honest, there are things that I know to be true, right? And and uh, and so, um, how to um, how to uh, explore those or teach those or convey those in a way that um, that is also and this is this is I think the, the the maybe this gets to the heart of your question. The biggest thing I ever learned from Thomas, my 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 mentor, who was mentored by a man named Jacques Lecoq. Um, is, uh, and, it, and this is very much part of the, the sort of Lecoq philosophy of theater, is that um, there needs to be in the classroom or in the rehearsal space, um, a constant sense of discovery. Um, and, and that includes the teacher, the director, the facilitator. If I already know the answer, then I'm likely just to be sitting in a, in a sort of um, I'm, I'm on my back heels and I'm waiting for you to catch up to me. But if I've put a question into the space, even if it's a question I've asked before, if I put it in the space with a sense of discovery, um, then I'm front-footed in the same way you all are, and we're discovering something together. And my job then, and this is, this is basically paraphrasing Lecoq, my job is to articulate the discovery as it comes into the room. Not to say the thing that I already know, but to articulate it as it comes into the space. Yeah. And I think that puts you in a different relationship to the people you're working with, right? We're, we're doing this together. We're discovering something together. We're exploring something together. But it also puts you in a different relationship to even the things you think you already know. Because if you're constantly trying to rediscover them, then, um, then well, you're, you're in a creative spirit. Right, you're not in a you're not in a um, the, the the spirit of the um, the expert or the you know the the sage, um, and that may be there, right? That should there should be elements of that there, but they should almost be accidental, right? Um, yeah, I've walked a little further down this path, so probably I know where a few of the bends are, and 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 some of the the, the limbs you're going to want to duck under or, or or logs you want to step over. Yeah, okay. But those can arise accidentally, right? Um, uh, there's still a lot of the path that I don't know yet. So how can I be, you know, sort of um, opening up that those questions for us? And another thing that that does um, is you know, this used to drive me crazy. Teaching at the school, Thomas's school in London, um, every semester or every year, he would change the um, the, the the pedagogy, the classes, the what you were teaching, what you were right. And, um, and it was maddening, right? Because you just get to, you just figure out, okay, I'm going to teach it this way. I'm going I'm to do it this way. And he'd change it, right? You have to reinvent all of your teaching. And I finally realized that whether consciously or not, he was doing that because it, it kept us in that place of discovery. We, were, we, we had to be improvising to a certain extent our, 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 our teaching methods because we were rediscovering them every year. The first time through something, you're always discovering, right? For the first time. So, um, so there's something quite genius and maddening about it that I realize I've brought into my teaching all these many years later. I never do a class the same way, right? I don't, I, 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 I can't, I, I get bored, right? So whatever I did, and, and it's, it's, sometimes I kick myself for it because it creates a lot of anxiety. What am I gonna do? I don't remember what I'm gonna do the way I did before. There's a different way to do it. Um, and so there's this sort of um, inbuilt, I guess, um, in me um, uh, need to sort of be um, rediscovering it. Yeah. Right. Or maybe yeah. I'm just, yeah, maybe I just get bored easily. I was going to say, like, 
you know, the, the, the this American Life host, Ira Glass, he's like, yeah. and people ask him, like, how do you stay so young and creative? He goes, because I'm a man child and I'm very immature the entire time. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I am. I am. There we go. <laughs> I knew it. Well, speaking of rediscovery, we have some time. We're going to play this game. Oh, I love it. It's called Time for Two. There are no right, no wrong answers. I'm just curious to see what your opinion is. Are you ready? I am. All right, here we go. In three, two, one, go. How do you spell theater? You end it with an R-E or an E-R? With an R-E. Ham or cheese? Uh, ham. Favorite kind of fruit? Mm, apple. Typical bedtime? <laughs> I have no typical bedtime. <laughs> <laughs> typical wake-up time? Oh, God. Um, no, it's it can be five uh, to uh, ten. Wow. Um, yeah. Bes- yeah. Besides this podcast, what podcast do you recommend? Mm. Oh, my God. I'm listening to so many amazing history podcasts right now, um, which I'm loving. Um, uh, uh, Dan Carlin is uh, fantastic. Um, big fan of his right now. Um, I think that's probably the, that, 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 that's absorbing a lot of my attention right now. Cause those are like, you know, 12 hour deep dives into right. Caesar's, um, uh, defeat of the Gauls. And yeah, so that's, right. that's, sort of, that's how I get my brain off of. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, fav- favorite president. Mm. Oh my God. What a great question. Um, uh, I, I, I gotta go with, for all of his failings, I gotta go with Obama. There you go. Uh, do you drink a fancy beer? Yes, only. Okay. Uh, do you Yahoo? No. Uh, uh, what is wait, your... wait, when I'm happy. Oh, okay. Okay, there you go. But that's more of a Wahoo. Oh, okay. Uh, nice, nice dad joke. What is your name? <laughs> um, what is my name? Yeah. Uh, uh, Michael? What is your quest? I seek the eternal man child. There you go. Where's the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Uh, wait, is that um, African or European? Uh, uh, if you're American in the kitchen, you're European in the bathroom. Uh, and that's how we end the game. <laughs> Two dad jokes in one round. How about that? Nice. Michael, You'll be a good dad. <laughs> right. I'm going to be a fantastic dad. Uh, before we go, Michael Brown, my last yeah. question to you is... Um, are your parents proud of you? Yes. There we go. There we go. And that's how we ended. Michael All Brown, right. I can't thank you enough for <laughs> having the time to come on the show. It, it was so worth it. I, I, I thank you. Oh, I, can't appreci- I appreciate it so much. I hope I gave you some, some, at least a little useful material. That was Michael Brown. And I have to say, Griffin, I don't know about you. I couldn't stop but think about my old classes I had with him. Yeah, you know, I I actually took uh, uh, physical theater as a class specifically because Michael Brown was teaching it. And I had had everyone, 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 everyone tell me that, you know, you have to have to take a class with Michael Brown if you can. I wasn't even that interested in physical theater. I just saw the name Michael Brown and I'm like, well, I guess I have to take that. Right. And and it was and it was an excellent time. He's such a good teacher. He's also, um, and such he, a great guy. He, he also we didn't really talk about this. He's probably the best dressed professor I have ever met. Yeah, yeah, I I could agree with that. Oh yeah, he wears suits like the cuz. He wore a scarf for this interview. So uh, of course classy, he did. Michael. Of course he did. He lo- he looked great. Anyway, so are we done, Griffin? Or do you think we want to do like another the work? Special? You know, the work just never stops. Nope. Um, so we are we are technically in between seasons right now, mm-hmm. um, but this will not be our only special bonus episode before we get to season four. Matt, why don't you tell them about our next bonus episode? Yeah, because why not? Because uh, we don't believe in sleep around here. So what's that? Yeah, what is sleep? I, I just, it's just, uh, I sleep, my eyes open. Uh, anyway, so we're going to have on Eric Striffler, who is the creator and one of the many people in Pretty Much It, a uh, YouTube channel focusing on movies and TV and at times video games, uh, which is becoming one of the um, hottest channels on the webs due to their hilarious commentary tracks. So Eric is going to be joining me on the show and 
like Alonzo Duralde, I've been watching him for, for since about 2012. So the fact that he's going to be on the show, I think is pretty cool. Yep. And that's going to be going up. Uh, what is it? The first weekend of May, I think. May 2nd. So May look 2nd. Out. Yep. So look so, out for that in a couple weeks, folks. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Parents Proud Podcast. You can also bring happiness to my life by emailing us uh, at our email address, parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. Griffin uh, hasn't been happy we'll, in so long. We will read your emails. Trust us. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. He's Matthew Schufrider. I'm Griffin McCorkle, and I just got my first COVID vaccine today. And I'm fully vaccinated. So, yes, you are fully vaccinated. I got I got my first shot about a couple hours ago, and I will be getting my second shot in a few weeks. So, our quest to hug Alan Alda starts now. (laughs) I can see the light at the end of the tunnel finally. Right. But our first nice to say that the first goal, though, is we have to find Alan Alda. So, Alan Alda, are you (laughs) Alan Alda? Wherever you are, we're gonna find you and we're gonna hug you. Uh, all right, folks, thank you so much. We'll see you in a few weeks. Bye bye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 